Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, it's Amy McDonald's here. Welcome to this edition of the Arsenal Audio Program. Arsenal versus Benfica, Thursday, February the 25th, 2021. Kickoff, 5:55 p.m. The contents: the manager Mikel Arteta, the captain Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, voice of Arsenal. Match action: Benfica versus Arsenal. Academy, my story. Forward Arsenal, history. Visitors, Benfica. Player feature, Cedric. Arsenal winning. Match action, Arsenal versus Manchester City. And teams. Manager's Notes, Mikel Arteta. We were expecting a tough game on Sunday, and it got even tougher after two minutes. That was so frustrating because we talked about it beforehand that we had to come out of the box really strongly, really convincingly, but we didn't and we allowed them some time around the box. Collectively, if you allow Sterling to score a header in the middle of the box, you can't beat City like that. After that, we tried to react in the best possible way. I think we matched them up, we had some really good moments, we created some great opportunities, but we lacked the quality around the box to find the right pass and the right man to score the goal. Against that opponent, everything has to be perfect. I was pleased with the personality of the team after we conceded, though. To show that courage, and to match them the way we've done, is really difficult. I've seen many other games in the last few months of theirs. It's something to be positive about, but obviously we are disappointed because we got nothing from the game. That was all down to the first ten minutes. During that time, we didn't do something that we had talked about in our preparation, of what to do at times when we thought we'd suffer in the game, and they used it against us a couple of times, and we were exposed. After that, we corrected it and looked much better and much more comfortable. It's true, though, that there was some fatigue, and you could see that in both teams at the end. The boys are playing a lot of minutes right now. They are working extremely hard, so we cannot demand too much more of them. It was a difficult game to have in the middle of these Benfica matches, 
but we have been fully focused back on Europe since the final whistle on Sunday. We have just come out of a tough game. It was full gas from the beginning, so of course we will need to make some changes again tonight. Obviously, we need a fresh team and we need fresh legs as well because decision-making and everything comes better when you are fresh. With the schedule that we have right now, it's really demanding. We have no time to recover and little time to prepare. Against City, for example, we could not prepare for the game on the field because we didn't have enough time. We have to get used to that and we have an extra day for this game. Then straight away we go to Leicester. It's the same for most teams at the moment. But the players want to be the best that they can and prepare in the best possible way for every single match and that's what they are doing. The Europa League is really important for us. It's one of the ways we can get back into Europe and every defeat in the league puts us in a much more difficult position there. We have to take it game by game and we need a run of good results. I think we have a big run of performances but we've lost three games now in different ways and it's not what we want. But we are very excited about this competition. We've been on a really strong run this season in the Europa League and we have a good opportunity to make another step forward tonight. It's strange to be playing a home game in Athens and very unusual but I believe we have to try to maintain the integrity of the competition as much as we can. The only way to do that at the moment is to play at different venues but at least it's played over two legs with the away goals rule always present so not too much has changed. We have good memories of playing here. We beat Olympiakos 1-0 in this stadium last season, even if we went out in the second leg. That's a reminder for us though. The way we went out of the competition last year is our warning. The tie was in our hands, but then we conceded in the last minute of extra time. We still had a massive chance with Orba to go through, but the big lesson there is that you have to play for every single minute of the competition with a high focus. Every detail matters and every situation has to be handled and it's about being able to manage the game in the way it's required because it's over two legs. The goal difference is very important and that has to be in the back of your mind and you have to be able to control your emotions and as well be able to change the game when you need to, to take it to your territory when the tie is in your hands. I hope that defeat to Olympiakos can be another motivation for us. It was a really tough experience for all of us the way that it happened because we deserved to go through but also that created more hunger for this season to go and do more. We haven't gone through yet so let's put more energy, more passion and more commitment into this competition to make sure we get it done. We know you will be getting behind us tonight whether you are watching back in London or wherever you are and we appreciate that support always. Captain's Notes, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Playing Benfica in the Europa League brings back memories for me of when I played against them for Borussia Dortmund in 2017. It was in the Champions League knockout stages and I had a bad game in the first leg. I didn't just miss a penalty, I missed all of my chances that first game. The whole way through the game I was missing a lot of chances. I remember I had three clear opportunities to score, and then the penalty as well. Edison was actually the Benfica goalkeeper at that time, and I remember that I came back into the dressing room afterwards, and I was really upset. Honestly, I think I cried a little bit about my performance, and when I went back to Dortmund on the plane, 
Just before we flew, I called my family to talk about the game. I said to them that I'm going to do everything to try to qualify my team in the second leg, and I will do it for you, I promise. And then, in the end, I scored three goals at home in the second leg to send us through. I think in Dortmund, when you play at home in the second leg, it's really different, and you can change everything in that environment because the fans are unbelievable and they give you this incredible power. This is what happened that night. It was a really great day to score those three goals. I hope something similar can happen tonight. I missed a couple of chances in the first leg last week as well. I should have scored, and that would have put us in a stronger position for this game. But we have another 90 minutes to play tonight to get the job done. The difference to that game for Dortmund, of course, is that we are not at home tonight, and we won't have our fans with us. To be honest, it's really, really strange to see what's happening with this round. We played against Benfica in their home game last week in Rome, which was unusual too, for them and for us. Now are playing at home in Athens in Greece, but at least we know the stadium. We played here last season against Olympiakos, and we won that night. The same score again tonight will be enough for us to go through. So, as I say, it's very strange for us, but these are the things you face. You have to deal with it, and once we are on the pitch, it's down to us like it is in any other game. Anyway, we have got used to playing without crowds over the last year, but even when it's empty, I much prefer playing at the Emirates than in away games. It's always good to play there because you have your routines, you can prepare, and you know everything about the pitch and where you are. It's really different to not be there for this as a home game. Then there is all the travel too. As I said though, you have to deal with it. And that's part of wanting to do well and wanting to win trophies. We had to deal with it last season too, and we did really well to win the FA Cup. Our target is to do the same in the Europa League this time. We all want the competition to continue, so this is what we have to do. One thing we need to remember is the away goals rule, because we are still using that for these games. But for me personally, it's okay, because I don't think it matters. We are all used to the away goals rule, we all know it, and we have to deal with it. We don't need to focus too much on it, we just need to try and win the game. It would have been better to go into this game after a good result at the weekend, but Manchester City were just too strong for us on Sunday. The really frustrating thing for us was that I thought we matched them up for most of the game, had a few chances ourselves and could have got something for it, but after you concede in the first two minutes, obviously everything becomes much more difficult, especially against a team like City. We showed our personality after that goal though, we kept playing and believing we could get something. We need to show that same attitude tonight for the whole match against Benfica, if we can do that and impose our game on them, I'm sure we can get the win. We'll be trying everything because it's another huge match for us. Thanks for your support. The voice of Arsenal, Juventus Football Club, Torino, Arsenal Football Club. When is an away programme a home programme? 
Our record suggests that today's match is the fourth time in Arsenal's history that we have produced a home matchday programme for a match played outside of the UK. On May the 14th, 1959, the Gunners travelled to Turin to play the mighty Juventus. The Italians tripped to Highbury earlier that season on November 26, 1958, when Arsenal triumphed 3-1. The programme was predominantly in Italian, but produced in a very familiar Arsenal style for the match, which, in the tables were turned, Juventus claiming a 3-1 win this time. In May 1966, Arsenal travelled to Turkey to play two games against Belakakis. The first 2-0 defeat in Istanbul on the May the 21st, the second four days later in Ankara, which ended 0-0. A single programme was produced for both matches in a classic Arsenal design. On the Gunners' pre-season tour of Australia in 2017, the club created a souvenir programme. For the two fixtures against Sydney FC, 1-2-0, and Western Sydney Wanderers, 1-3-1. On July 13th and July 15th, retrospectively, both matches were played at Stadium Australia in Sydney. This programme was created in-house in the UK by the programme team, but printed in Sydney. In addition, relatively recently, the club produced six programmes for home games played at Wembley in our Champions League campaigns for season 98-99 and 99-2000. Finally, the programme produced by the Arsenal programme team for the visit of Farnborough for an FA Cup fourth round tie on February 13, 2003 was technically an away programme due to Farnborough opting for their move to the home draw at Highbury. The issue featured managers' notes and players' interviews with representatives from both clubs. With thanks to Andy Kelly. Members' virtual quiz. Reckon you know your Alidiers from your Aubameyangs? There's a brilliant virtual members quiz taking place on March the 3rd. And if you prove to be the ultimate Arsenal anorak, you could win yourself amazing prizes, including a football signed by the Arsenal legend in attendance, an Arsenal shirt by the 2021 men's first team, a £100 Arsenal direct voucher, a ball signed by the men's first team. The quiz will be hosted on Zoom and will start at 7.30. Participants will submit their answers via the Kahoot app and we'll let you into a little secret. The fiendish questions have been devised by the Matchday programme team, so it must be good. Register your interest now to take part. There are limited spaces available. It's on a first-come, first-served basis. If you have been successful, you'll receive an email and an RSVP after registration. Go to the new section of arsenal.com to enter. Away goals rule in place. If today's game ends nil-nil, Arsenal will progress to the next knockout round in the way of away goals rule. Any school draw of 2-2 or higher will see Benfica advance. If the match ends 1-1, two 15-minute period of extra time will ensure away goals will count double in extra time. If it remains 1-1 after extra time, penalties will determine the winner. Draw for the next round. The winners of this round of 32 tie will go into the round of 16 draw, which takes place tomorrow at Neon Switzerland at midday UK time. The two-legged round of 16 games will take place on March 11th and March 18th. For this draw, there are no 
seeding or country protection. Rescheduled games. Three Premier League matches have been rescheduled. Burnley versus Arsenal, Saturday, March the 6th, kick-off 12.30, originally 3pm. It's live on BT Sports. Arsenal versus Tottenham Hotspur, Sunday, March 14th, 2021, originally Saturday, March 13th, kick-off 4.30, live on Sky Sports. West Ham United versus Arsenal, Sunday, March 21st, 2021, originally Saturday, March 20th, kick-off 3pm, live on on Sky Sports. Historic headache for Rob. Rob Holding became Arsenal's first ever concussion substitute when he was replaced by David Luiz on 82 minutes in the game against Man City on Sunday. After an accident knee to the head from City's Yoho Cancelliano, Rob was subbed with a green form, meaning David wasn't part of the Gunners' three substitute allocation. The concussion substitution meant that Pep Guardiola's team were allowed an extra sub, which they didn't utilise. The new ruling, which is being trialled by the Premier League until the end of the season, also allows for a second concussion substitute if required, with the opposition of them acquiring a fifth substitution option. Mikel Arteta confirmed that Rob will miss a few days' training following the concussion, but at the time of writing, no decision has been made with regards to selection for the game today. Arsenal remembers Thomas James Marshery, beloved son of Jason and Rebecca, was born sleeping on January the 23rd, 21. Jason held his son whilst they watched Arsenal versus Southampton match. Thomas will always be remembered. Love the Baines family. Brian Stibbons, who passed away on January the 29th, 2021, age 69. A lifelong fan who was a season ticket holder clock-in for many years. He will be deeply missed by all who knew him and forever loved by his family. George Old, age 76. George leaves behind a lifetime of happy memories for both his beloved family and more friends than one who the man has had to write them. A lifelong gooner, a true gent, and we miss you terribly, dear friend. Lawrence Castine. May 28th, 1959 to December 28th, 2020. A loving father, grandfather, friend to many and a true gooner. He will still be watching them with us. He would just be in a different seat. Forever in our hearts, Roberta and Francesca. Charlie Barnes, Chaz, Bubba, Herbert, a lifelong gunner who passed away on February the 7th, 2021. Still watching every game, reunited with his Werner. Gareth Bryant. 1958-2021. Loving husband to Feely, amazing father to Irene and Meg, and beloved grandfather to Lauren, Etan, Anthony. On match days, he will be found in an Arsenal hat, scarf, shirt and jacket. A true gentleman who will be sadly missed by all that met him. Rest in internal peace. Happy birthday, Fred. Everyone at Arsenal Football Club, especially the programme team, would like to wish Fred Ollier a very happy 90th birthday tomorrow. Fred is an Arsenal historian of great repertoire. The author of Arsenal, a complete record, has also provides a valuable service in pouring over every matchday programme and collaborating with all statistics for the first team and the academy sides. His help on the programme has been invaluable over many, many decades. Thank you, Fred, for your hard work at Arsenal Football Club as it remains hugely appreciated. Here's to many, many more games coming under your scrutiny for the years to come. Ref Watch. 
Dutch referee Bjorn Kleppers and is a very experienced official and has been taking charge of the Champions League and Europa matches since 2009. This is the 47-year-old's first Europa League assignment with the Gunners, but he did take charge of our 1-0 win away in the Champions League against Brussels Dortmund on November the 6th, 2013. Aaron Ramsey headed the only goal of that game, and for Arsenal's team, which included Pierre Mertesacker and Mikel Arteta, was the latter was booked. Dortmund, including ex-Gunners, Mkhitaryan and Socrates, and young striker Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang came on the 74th minute, on his hometown in Odlishlaw. Programme ITK. Four players have played in European competitions for both Arsenal and Benfica. They are Stefan Schwartz, Michael Thomas, Jose Antonio Rees and David Louise. Europa League Round of 32. First leg. 8pm. Thursday, February the 18th, at the Olympic Stadium in Rome. Benfica 1, Arsenal 1. First half. We returned to European action after the winter hiatus for the first leg of the round of 32 match against Benfica, and though this was counted as the away leg, the match was played in neutral territory due to travel restrictions. We started the game well in control, dictating the tempo of the game, and we should have taken the lead after 20 minutes. Hector Bellerin sprinted away on the right, slid the ball across goal for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang unmarked at the far post. But on this occasion, our captain's aim was lacking, and his shot went to the wrong side of the upright. We were nearly punished for our missed chances late in the half when Grimaldo pounced on a loose granite Zaka pass, but Danny Caballos got back well to block. Second half. Benfica took the lead from a penalty award from an Emile Smith-Rowe handball. Pitsy duly tucked away from 12 yards. We had scored in each of our previous 22 Europa League games and we kept the run going. Cedric got in behind the defence to latch on to a Martin Odegaard pass and centred for Saka to convert from close range. A valuable away goal in this most unusual of European ties. We were back on the front foot and Aubameyang shot just wide shortly afterwards and Hector Bellerin had a shot blocked on the edge of the area but we were unable to find the winner and need to complete the job in Athens. Developing strong young gunners. In this issue, Young Gun, Joel Lopez. Match reports. A dramatic late win. News. Amari, king of assists. Remember, Robbie Burton. Stats, results and fixtures. Young Gun, Joel Lopez, talking to Aidan Small. Born, Spain, March 31st, 2002. Height and weight, 1.8 metres and 70 kilos. Position, left back. Boots, Adidas Copper. Signed for Arsenal, August 2018. When Arsenal came calling, it was an opportunity that I just couldn't turn down. Barcelona was all I'd ever known, but I knew straight away that this was the club for me. I loved growing up in Barcelona. As a kid, maybe five years old, I remember playing with my brother and dad in the park, and we'd spent hours practising passing, dribbling and skills. Anything really, as long as the ball was at my feet. 
We had a park just outside our apartment in Barcelona, and it was really nice to grow up in an environment like that. My family taught me everything. Obviously, I was lucky enough to watch some of the greatest Barcelona teams of all time too. It was a real golden era of the club. When I was really young, I remember going to Camp Nou for the very first time and Ronaldinho was on the pitch. I was just blown away because he was like nothing I'd ever seen before. When you're a kid, it almost felt like he was an alien or something from out of this world. And then a little kid called Lionel Messi came along. It was an amazing handover between two of the greatest we've ever seen. Once I realised that playing football is something I enjoy, my family signed me up to a team in the local area, and I loved it right from the start. We played together for a while, but I remember that in my final season, we played some amazing football and had the chance to play Barcelona, and this was where it all started. I played really well on the day, and that's when Barcelona offered to sign me. I joined them age nine, and I've got nothing but good things to say about my time there. It was an amazing experience, and they taught me so much. At Barcelona, football is all about having the ball, appreciating the ball and education. So that taught me a lot about the game from a very young age. I played with a lot of very talented players during my time at La Masia too. I played with Robert Navarro, Iliax Moriba, and Pablo Moreno plus loads of other really good players. We were a very good generation, and it really boosts your development when you're surrounded by talent like that. I didn't realise as a kid, because I was just taking everything in my stride, but now that I'm older, I realise how big it is that I was able to learn at La Masia as a kid of Barcelona. I've realised how much they taught me about football, and how certain values and beliefs are ingrained into me. They taught me about tactics and the art of the game, and I think as you get older, you realise more and more just how much they taught you. The first time I heard from Arsenal, it was during my last season in Barcelona. I was 15 at the time, and Barcelona wanted to keep me. But the first time I heard from Arsenal, I couldn't believe it. I was with my parents, brother and agent at the time, and I just couldn't stop laughing. I was so happy. I wasn't sure if it was going to happen at the time, but I had such a good feeling about the move. When a club like Arsenal calls your name, it's different. It feels amazing. From there it was stuck in my mind. I had a vision I wanted to achieve, and in the end I obviously made the move to North London. For me it was the history and the class of the club. Not only their history of playing beautiful football and winning trophies, but their history in the academy too. With the projection that this club provides to young players, it was a massive incentive for me to sign. I think the fact that players like Hector and Cesc followed this path gave me a confidence in my decision too. They left Barcelona at a similar age to me, and Hector is someone I really admire, not only as a player but as a person too. He's someone I've always appreciated. Hector has been amazing to me ever since I joined the club, but it's honestly not just me in the academy. He tries to help everyone, and he's such a good influence in training. I don't need to say anything about Hector on the pitch, because we all know how important he is. It's easy to forget that he's still only 25 too, because he burst onto the scene at such a young age. I've been here at Arsenal for three years now, and I've loved every minute of it. I remember when I first joined, 
I was shocked at the physicality of the game compared to Spanish football, but I adapted really well to Arsenal's style of play. I couldn't believe how much everyone was running during my first game. It was such a new experience to me. They were so passionate and physical. But I realised straight away that I needed to step up and now I believe I'm a much more physical and aggressive player. Rate yourself. Scores out of 100. Speed, 88. Shooting, 61. Dribbling, 75. Strength, 69. Passing, 75. Defending, 70. Joel Lopez, Lowdown, earliest memory of football, playing in the park with my brother and dad. Got me into playing football, dad and brother. First footballer I looked up to, Ronaldinho. Favourite football shirt owned, Ronaldinho and Messi Barca shirt. My football memorabilia, I've worn my shin pad since I was nine. Supported as a child, Barcelona. Best goal I've scored versus West Ham under-18s away. Best performance, the final of an under-16 tournament against Espanol. Favourite training drills, rondos. Best piece of skill I've done in a game, elastico. Best moment of my career so far, signing for Arsenal. One type of goal I'd like to score, volley from outside the box. A player to score a one-on-one to save my life, Neymar. If I could completely change position, I'd play at number 10. Best friend in football, Karl Hein. Other sports I'm good at, tennis and basketball. Ambitions this season off the pitch. Good grades in A-levels. The important non-playing attributes of young footballers. Ambition, humility and confidence. Biggest lesson I've learned off the pitch at Arsenal. Adapt to different scenarios and situations in life. Me, favourite footballer of all time, Lionel Messi. Most played Spotify artist, Michael Jackson. Favourite musician, Travis Scott. Favourite trainers, Black Yeezy. Best football attribute, speed. One thing I need on an away day, music. One thing I want to do in my football career, win the Champions League. Academy match reports, under 18 Premier League South. Tuesday, February 16th, London, Colney. Arsenal 1, Edwards 90, West Ham United 0. Arsenal under-18s, Grazik, Norton Cuffey, Foran, Mont-Louis, Ogungbo, Henry Francis, Bandiera 74, Sweet, Sirjan, Hutchinson, Butler Oyeji, Ideo, Edward 64. Subs not used. Kovacic, Awe, Jeffcott. Kayon Edwards scored a dramatic last-minute winner as our under-18 secured a valuable 1-0 victory over West Ham. Caitlin Sirjan starred in the number 10 role whilst Joel Ideo made his second start of the season, replacing kiddo Taylor Hart. There was also a familiar face in the Hammers' starting eleven, as Levi Lang featured as a trialist. Keen to bounce back from our 3-2 defeat at Crystal Palace last week, we started strongly with Sirjan playing a delightful lofted pass to Ideo, who cut inside from the left and fired just over the bar. Mazid Agumbo's instinctive effort from a corner was then tipped behind by Kristin Heiji 
before the visitors carved out their first opportunity, with Jaden Fevrier forcing Hubert Gratzik into a fine save at full stretch. The Hammers finished the first half as the stronger side, but we bounced back after the restart with some encouraging passing moves. With Amari Hutchinson, Sirjan and Adeho combining inside the area, the latter created a yard of space and fired at goal from 20 yards, but his low effort bounced back off the post. Hutchinson then failed to convert the rebound. We continued to push on in search of a winner though, and with one final searching delivery from a Hutchinson set piece, substitute Kayon Edwards was on hand to convert at the far post and secure all three points. The result sees Ken Gillard's side climb up to 5th in the under-18 Premier League South table with 22 points at the halfway mark of the season. Academy News New Saints date We have received confirmation that our upcoming Premier League 2 clash with Southampton has been rescheduled. The fixture was originally due to take place on Sunday March the 7th but will now take place as follows. Southampton under-23 versus Arsenal under-23 Friday, March 5th, 2021 Kick-off, 2pm To be played at AFC Totten Hutchinson helps out Omari Hutchinson's fine form continued last week as he became the top assister in the under-18 Premier League. The youngster provided a match-winning assist to Kayon Edwards via a curling free-kick delivery securing a 1-0 victory over West Ham and taking his tally up to 7 for the season. A creative and technical young midfielder, Amari is capable of playing in the centre as a number 10 or even the wing. He's also scored twice for our under-18s this season, bagging against Leicester and Tottenham in back-to-back fixtures. Keep up the hard work, Amari. Academy Illumini catching up with former Arsenal Academy players as they continue their pro careers away from the Emirates. Robbie Burton Wales youth international midfielder Robbie is currently starring in the Croatian top flight for Dinamo Zagreb. Gravesend-born Robbie joined the Hale End Academy at Arsenal when he was just six years old and became a full-time scholar in 2016 as part of the same cohort as Rhys Nelson, Emile Smith-Rowe and Dan Ballard. He soon established himself as a key member of our under-18 side and played in all eight FA Youth Cup games in our run to the final in 2017-18. He progressed to play for the under-23s and captained the team in 2019-20. An attack-minded central midfielder with wonderful technique, he was selected as part of the first-team pre-season tour to the USA in 2019 but did not make a competitive first-team appearance before he left the club in February 2020. He initially played for Dynamo's reserve side, but progressed to the first team and made his debut at the start of the current season. He has since been regularly involved, helping Dynamo to the top of the table, and also made his Europa League debut in November, shortly before turning 21. The ex-gunner was on the substitutes bench for Dynamo's 3-2 away win against Russian side Trasnador in the first leg of their Europa League round of 32 match last week. Maybe see you in the last 16, Robbie. The Arsenal Foundation
My Story. The work of the Arsenal Foundation and the partners and initiatives it supports have touched the lives of a great number of people in a variety of ways. The Arsenal Foundation's Emergency COVID Fund has helped the Afghanistan and Central Asian Association, ACAA, run a helpline for refugees and asylum seekers during the pandemic. Musal Garfuria, 22, and from London, tells us how the service helped vulnerable people and communities. I have been at ACAA for almost nine months now after graduating with a law degree from the London School of Economics. I'm the daughter of two Afghan refugees myself and my work feels especially rewarding because I feel a personal connection with each client. I believe passionately in supporting refugees to help give them strong foundations upon which to build a life. Everyone should have equal opportunity to be happy and prosperous as well as to provide a stable upbringing for their children so they can thrive and follow their passions. I started as the outreach officer to expand the charity's services to vulnerable communities nationwide during the lockdown so that people could receive vital help remotely. I also managed our COVID-19 telephone helpline service, providing direct help and advice or referring callers to other departments within the charity or to local organisations that could offer specialist support, for example with mental health issues. One of our key aims was to identify those at risk of developing depression or loneliness during lockdown. The helpline ran for 24 hours a day, initially for three months from June to August 2020, yet it remains open now. I established a two-way referral network with local organisations in each city, which enabled me to both receive referrals and refer callers to support organisations. That meant, for example, I could arrange for food bank and clothing deliveries, which was a big help for those struggling to get help because there was a language barrier. The target audience was vulnerable communities, including refugees, asylum seekers and BAME minorities, who were disproportionately affected by the lockdown. The Arsenal Foundation helped to buy a new office mobile phone, including its bills, to ensure all calls would be answered during the day, as well as contributing to my salary, with which I also bought a phone to keep operational 24-7. Help with housing was a frequent request. This may be a compound effect of the struggle for housing refugees face ordinarily, alongside the government's effort to temporarily house the homeless during the quarantine period. We also received calls about welfare and social engagement, and mental health issues were common, a reflection of the increased pressure on families caused by the lockdown, but also a promising increase in confidence for refugees and asylum seekers to seek help over tensions in their homes. We are very grateful for Arsenal's support. I believe affluent organisations are important in supporting grassroots organisations to stabilise the lives of vulnerable communities. Ultimately, the benefits of helping refugees, ethnic minorities and vulnerable people to achieve their goals are universal because, with the right support, everyone is capable of becoming someone great. For more info, visit acaa.org.uk.
Forward Arsenal. Gabriel. Arsenal Football Club prides itself on always looking forward. So we're asking our players to gaze into the future to see what's on the horizon. How far forward do you look at the fixture list? I always try to focus on the game ahead. So if we're playing against Manchester City next month, for example, I don't keep thinking about Manchester City. I always think game after game. Because if I start thinking about Manchester City, tomorrow I might play against another team that might also do us harm. So I always try to think about one game at the time. At which stage of the week do you start thinking about your next game? I start thinking about a game on the first day of the week. I start thinking about the game, about what I need to do, what I need to do to help the team, to mark a player and so on. So I start working on it at the start of the week. Do you get nervous before the game? You do get butterflies in your stomach. It's normal. You can ask any player. But I'm really chilled. Once I get on the pitch and touch the ball, I feel a lot calmer. How do you feel on the night before a game? Before, when I was younger, I used to get a little nervous the night before, but it doesn't happen quite as much these days. Now I get more nervous just before the game, when we're warming up. You get butterflies in your stomach and worry about the match, especially if it's a big one. But it's a good feeling, because you want to be there. What are your plans for the end of your career? It's a difficult question. I have no idea about what I might want to do when I stop playing football yet. Do you know what country or city you will live in once you stop playing football? This is also something I haven't thought about, but one place I really like is France. I have many friends there, and the area where I lived is really good, so it's a place I would consider. What other countries would you like to visit when we are able to travel again? I don't have any specific countries I'd like to go back to. The only place I'd like to visit again to enjoy the city is Paris, because I like it a lot, but there isn't a specific country I've travelled to that I think I'd like to go back to that country, because I like it there. There isn't one. Another place I would like to visit, though, is Miami. What would you like to achieve in your playing career? My main goal is to make it to the Brazil national team. It's every Brazilian's dream and I hope I can wear the main shirt soon. This is my biggest dream. Looking further ahead, who is the next big thing in Brazilian football? There's a player I really like called Claudinho. He plays for Red Bull Bragantino. He's a kid that is having a great season, and he's really young too. I think he's almost my age. He's a kid that played for a big team, then moved to a smaller team, and is doing really well. I think he'll grow a lot in his career. I'm sure you will hear a lot about him soon. Is there anything you enjoy doing aside from football? Anything you would like to do the day you stop playing? It's hard to say, because I play football since I was little, and I've never considered anything else, if I didn't have the opportunity to be a player. I've played since I was little, and all my life has been around football. It's difficult to say, but I still want to work within football when I stop playing. I don't know which area, but I do want to work with football. Would you like to go into coaching or maybe the media? I wouldn't be a commentator, but I think I'd like to be an assistant manager. Would you say you are an organised person away from football? How are you at planning birthdays for family members, kids, partners, etc.? Yes, for sure. In fact, 
My family left today. My siblings, my girlfriend, my uncles. My dad and my mum are here. But yes, we do have a menu for what we'll eat during the week. And do you help organise it? My mum is the one who usually organises everything. Have you ever made any New Year's resolutions? Is this a habit you have? We always have objectives and goals, not for the whole year, but I do think about the next two or three months. One thing I have put in my head is that I need to be speaking English practically fluently within the next five months. So I don't set myself that many goals, but I do have some things that I plan, things I think about in order to achieve my goals. And how is your English going? Right now I'm not taking lessons. I did do them before, but right now I'm not doing them. But I'm good at learning languages on my daily life, so I'm practicing with my teammates. I'm trying to speak, which is really important, and I'm getting there. Some of the guys get quite surprised and say, Wow, Gabby, your English is pretty good. So I'm learning day by day, like I did with French. I never studied French, but I speak fluent French now. I'm good at picking up languages, so I'm trying to learn and I'm improving. Are you working on any project at the moment aside from football, studies, etc? No, no. The only thing I really like to do is play video games. I get home and have my family here, and what I like most is to play video games and play cards. Finally, you are told there's a spare seat on the next trip to the International Space Station. Do you go? No, oh no. Things are really good here, thanks. In a dream world, what would be your next meal? Fruit salad. New car. A Lamborghini Urus. Trophy you win. The World Cup. Holiday destination. The USA. Miami. Purchase. Clothes. A Dolce Gabbana outfit. Throwback 4 Arsenal historian John Sperling looks at a quartet of interesting games between Arsenal and Benfica. Champions Challenge Match, August 4th, 1971. Arsenal 6, Benfica 2. Scoring for Arsenal were Graham with 2, Roberts, Armstrong, Radford and Storey with a penalty. For Benfica, Jorge Diamantino. After suffering a 2-0 reverse in Lisbon five days earlier, Batista and Portuguese superstar Eusebio scored the Eagles' goals. Double winners Arsenal were keen for revenge in London on a warm summer's evening. The Gunners, who'd opted out of competing in the annual charity shield clash at Wembley due to having arranged a series of prestigious international friendlies, set about the Portuguese league champions from the off. Defender John Roberts nodded in across by left-back Sammy Nelson. Striker John Radford headed in a George Armstrong cross in the 34th minute, and then Armstrong made it 3-0 just before half-time. After an out-of-sorts, Eusebio was substituted at half-time. Benfica clicked into gear, and Jorge netted a diving header in the 53rd minute, and Diamantino fired a cracking shot past Jeff Barnett in the 73rd minute. The now nervous 44,244 crowd saw Benfica mount attack after attack, but Arsenal regained their two-goal lead when George Graham fired home after a Frank McClintock free kick. 
to show that this was rather more than an international friendly, Benfica players swarmed around referee Norman Burtonshaw, who'd refereed the FA Cup final back in May, claiming that Graham was offside. Due to the ferocity of the Benfica team's complaints, the Norfolk official reported the whole team to the Football Association. Peter Storey from the penalty spot and George Graham, with his second, added late goals to round off a memorable Highbury evening. European Cup second round first leg, October the 23rd, 1991. Benfica 1, Arsenal 1. Scoring for Benfica was Isaias and for Arsenal, Campbell. Having safely navigated their way past Austria-Vienna in the opening round of the European Cup, George Graham professed himself to be over the moon when Arsenal drew Benfica as they participated in Europe's leading club competition after a 20-year gap. He enthused, they're one of Europe's historic glamour teams and the European Cup is all about nights like this. Arsenal had goalkeeper David Seaman to thank after leaving the gigantic Estadio Luz with a draw. In front of a vociferous crowd, George Graham's team initially acquitted themselves well, taking the lead when Kevin Campbell finished superbly after an exquisite through-pass from David Rowcastle. But Benfica fought back, and the lively Brazilian forward, Isaias, netted the home side equaliser. Gunners manager George Graham was less than impressed, criticising his team for backing off too much after Benfica scored and not closing down their strikers quickly enough. Graham warned his charges that in the Highbury return, we'll have the advantage of the away goal, but we'll need to guard against carelessness and loss of concentration. European Cup, second round, second leg, November the 6th, 1991. Arsenal 1, Benfica 3. Scoring for Arsenal was Pates, and for Benfica, Hesias with two, and Kulkov. In the second leg, Arsenal, playing in their now iconic Bruce Bernard away shirt, set about Benfica with gusto. Watched by a Highbury crowd of 35,815, the early signs were that the side's forward thrust would act as a wrecking ball to the visitors' fragile-looking defence. Central defender Colin Pate swivelled and thumped home the opener, and Graham's side should really have plundered more goals. Kevin Campbell and Tony Adams both hit the Benfica woodwork, and Alan Smith skied his shot into the north bank, a chance he'd usually have buried. But the night unravelled after Isaias, Arsenal's torturer in Lisbon, lashed home Benfica's equaliser. George Graham later castigated his side's helter-skelter football, the key to playing in Europe is patience and guile, and not to panic. Once Isaias equalised, we collapsed. On two occasions, Benfica's Swedish ball winner Stefan Schwartz fed Isaias and Russian Vasily Kulkov killer balls, and Arsenal exited the competition on a night of frustration. In the aftermath of the loss, the Gunners' league form suffered, and Graham criticised midfielder Paul Davis for defying his instructions and venturing too far forward. In the long term, Davis would return to spearhead Arsenal's successful Cup Winners' Cup campaign in 1993-4, but only after a lengthy spell out in the cold. Emirates Cup, August the 2nd, 2014. Arsenal 5, Benfica 1. 
scoring for Arsenal were Sonigo with four and Campbell. For Benfica, Haitan. We played the way we want to play. Our game is based on movement, technical skill and togetherness in the final third, and that's what we did, enthused Arsenal manager Arsene Wenger after watching his side thrash Benfica in the pre-season tournament. A crowd of almost 60,000 at the Emirates Stadium saw Callum Chambers make his first team bow, Nacho Monreal fill in at centre-back, a new signing, Alexis Sanchez, appear in the 71st minute, but by the time the Chilean star entered the fray, Arsenal were in complete control of the match. French striker Yaya Sanogo, without a goal in the previous season, netted his first from close range after being set up by a fine turn and cross by Aaron Ramsey. In the 40th minute, Joel Campbell placed the ball into the bottom corner from 15 yards. The Costa Rican then teed up Sonigo to make it 3-0 in the 44th minute. With Benfica capitulating, Sonigo completed his hat-trick on the stroke of half-time, stabbing home across from Kieran Gibbs from five yards out. Sonigo netted his fourth goal just after half-time, tapping in after Benfica goalkeeper Artur failed to hold Ramsey's shot. The biggest cheer of the afternoon may have been reserved for the appearance of a not-yet-match-fit Sanchez late on, but the afternoon belonged to Sonigo. The Visitors, S.L. Benfica, by Mike Hammond. Formed February 28, 1904, as Sport Lisboa. Nickname, as Aguidas, the Eagles, the Reds, the Glorious Ones. Stadium, Estia de Luz, 64,642. Honours, Premier Liga winners. 35, 36, 37, 41, 42, 44, 49, 54, 56, 59, 60, 62, 63, 64, 66, 67, 68, 1970, 71, 72, 74, 75, 76, 1980. 82, 83, 86, 88, 1990, 93, 2004, 2009, 2013, 2014, 2015, 2016, 2018. Taca de Portugal winners, 1940, 43, 44, 49, 51, 52, 53, 55, 57, 59, 62, 64, 69, 1970, 72, 1980, 1981, 83, 85, 86, 87, 93, 96, 2004, 2014, 2017. European Cup winners, 1961 and 1962. President, Luis Felipe Vieira. Social followers, Twitter, 1.3 million. Instagram, 1.7 million. Facebook, 
3.6 million. One of the most recognisable names in international football, Benfica are the record champions of Portugal with 37 league titles and a club of considerable continental pedigree. European Cup winners in 61 and 62, the Eagles of Lisbon have participated in eight further UEFA finals, but remarkably lost them all, including back-to-back Europa League deciders in 2013, 2-1 against Chelsea in Amsterdam, and 2014 on penalties after a 0-0 draw against Sevilla Turin. The man who led Benfica in those two European League finals, George Jesus, returned to the club as head coach last summer after five years away. But there was a major disappointment for those Lisbon giants soon after his return when they lost their opening European game of the season. The UEFA Champions League third qualifying tie in Greece against Polak Salinka and a 2-1 defeat ended the club's unbroken 10-year run in the Champions League group stage. Sending them instead into the Europa League equivalent where they'd only completed once before in the inaugurable 2009-10 campaign. And it's a curiosity that although Benfica have only appeared in two European League group stages, they have played more matches in the competition knockout rounds than any other club, this being their 42nd. And in 2009-2010, when they won home 5-0 and away 2-0 against Everton, the Eagles scored through their group this season. But although they emerged unbeaten, three wins, three draws were only good enough to qualify them as runners-up behind Rangers, with whom they shared the points in both Lisbon, 3-3, and Glasgow, 2-2, before finishing above both Stand and Liège and Lech Portman. Last week's 1-1 draw against Arsenal in Rome not only preserved Benfica's unbeaten run this season, European League, but also stretched their undefeated home record into the competition. Despite the temporary move from Estero de Luz to Stadio Olimpico to a record 26 matches, now, like the Gunners, they must do battle again on foreign soil, making a return trip to Greece as they endeavour to make six rounds of the 32 qualifications out of seven the only failure having come last season when they were knocked out by Shaka Donstuk. Runners-up in the double FC Porto in both Portuguese League and the League Cup last season, Benfica seemed likely to regain the Premier League crown that they won in 2018-19, having fallen a long way behind local, local rivals, Sportol who beat them 1-0 in a stoppage-time winner in a pressure-packed derby at the start of February. But they are more than halfway towards securing a return to the final of the Portuguese Cup, having won the first leg of their four-duel with Estoril 3-1 away. The second leg takes place next Thursday. The night after the conclusion of the other semi-final in the Braga and Porto meet in Estona de Draga, level pegging at 1-1 after the first leg. Mutual admiration, Stefan Swartz, played just a single season for Arsenal in 94-95, but his excellent contribution left many supporters thinking what might have been when he headed to Florentina in the summer of 95. After what was to be a turmoilous season for Arsenal Football Club, 
The Swedish midfield player played 49 games, scoring four goals, two of which came in the Gunners' run in the European Cup Winners' Cup final when he played the full 90 minutes against Real Zagorza. He joined Arsenal after starting in Sweden in the 94 World Cup, where his team finished third. Prior to that, Stefan has spent three seasons with Benfica, whom he have joined from Memlo in his homeland. He won the Portuguese Cup in 1993, followed by the league title in his final season at Estesur de Luz and became recognised as one of the leading central midfielders in Europe. His strength and his tackle and his distribution skills persuaded Arsenal to pay £1.8 million for his services. The team tonight is Jan Vertonghen, number five, defender, born in Belgium, 24th of the 4th, 1987. Previously played for Ajax and Tottenham Hotspur. After eight seasons in North London with Tottenham, during which made 315 appearances for the club in all competitions, Jan left last summer for Benfica, where he established himself as a first-team regular, starting all seven Europe league group games and scoring in the 4-0 home defeat against Lech Posman. The sturdy left-footed defender is Belgium's record cap holder with 123 international appearances and is set for a fourth successive major tournament in this summer's Euros. Number 14, Granit's mate, attacker, Harris Sevekiuk. Born, Switzerland, 22nd of the 2nd, 92. Previously, Grasshoppers, Florentina, Lise, Novara, Real Shoshudad and Frankfurt. A Swiss international teammate of Grant Zaka, Haas has scored 19 goals in 70 games for his country and appeared at the last three major tournaments, a thrusting left-footed striker with a powerful shot. He played in Italy, Spain and Germany before joining Benfica in 2017. He was the 2018-19 Premier Liga top scorer with 23 goals when the Eagles won the league that season and was subsequently named 2019 Swiss Footballer of the Year. The familiar face, Nicolas Omendi, defender. Born, Buenos Aires, Argentina, 12th of the 2nd, 1988. Plays for Porto, Atletico Madrid and Manchester City. Nicholas is another former Premier League stalwart who has embedded himself in the heart of the Eagles' defence. Following a move there last summer, the 33-year-old Argentinian international who won the 2010-11 European League with three domestic league titles with Portuguese rivals Porto joined Benfica after five seasons in England with Manchester City, to whom he scooped seven major trophies and was sent off in a 3-3 draw at home to Rangers on match day three. The speedster, Rafa Silva, midfielder. Born, Portugal, 17th for the 5th, 93. Previously, Braga. A winner of both Euro 2016 and 2019, UEFA Nations League with Portugal, for whom he has 18 caps but has never scored. The 27-year-old attacking midfielder has long been noted for his pace and dribbling skills. Rafa has been a Benfica player since 2016, when he won the Portuguese Cup with Braga. He has added three further major honours, two league titles, one cup, with the Lisbon Giants starting in particular in the 17-goal contribution to their 2018-19 Premier Liga trial. The sharpshooter, 
Darwin Nuzes, attacker. Born Uruguay, 24 for the 6.99. An impressive 16-goal campaign in Spain's Segunda Division last season with Almeria persuaded Benfica to make his previously unhearted 21-year-old Ugarian striker a club record signing at a reported cost of £21.8 million on his first European star in New Edison Cavari, scored a hat-trick in Benfica's 2-1 away win at Lick Potsman on match day one, and also grabbed the last-minute equaliser against Rangers that preserved the club's unbeaten home record in the Europa League. The skipper, Pizzi midfielder, born Portugal, 6th of October 1989. Previously with Braga, Paco Fuente, Atletico Madrid, with seven goals this season, European League, including last week's penalty in Rome, Pizza is the competition's joint top scorer, making him the most productive of his seven European campaigns with Benfica. A creative central midfielder with 17 caps for Portugal, the 31-year-old made his 300th appearance for the Eagles in December and has won four league titles with one Premier Liga Player of the Year award. The orchestrator. Julian Wegel, midfielder, born Germany, 8th and 9th, 1995. Defensive midfielder who last sprang to the prominence with Boston Dortmund in a brilliant 2015-16 debut season that concluded with his selection for Germany's Euro 2016 squad. Julian subsequently struggled with injuries before persuading his career in Portugal. A £20 million purchase in January 2020, the 25-year-old's natural habitat is just in front of the defence, where he swerves as the team's main distribution hub. He is one of the two Germans in the Benfica squad. Between the posts, it is Helton Letty, the goalkeeper. Born Brazil, 2nd 11th, 1990. Two impressive Premier League seasons with Boessa earned this Brazilian goalkeeper a five-year contract with Benfica when he arrived last summer. As the backup to Avonso Lemis, however, the 30-year-old who has made his European debut at Rangers on match day four has been selected in preference to his Greek rival in recent matches, including last week's first leg. The boss, George Jesus, hedge coach. Born 1954 in Portugal. Previously with Amorna, Filaringa, Madeira, Amora, Sibila, Monchula, Lejira, Balencius, Sporting Lisbon, 2015-18, El Haya, 18-19, and Flamingo, 19-20. An erratic, demonstrative coach who has over 30 years of experience in the role. George Jesus scaled the career peak in November 19 when he led Flamingo to victory in the Copper. He returned to Benfica where he has enjoyed a productive first spell from 2009 to 2015 and last year. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Scouting Report by Michael Cox. Benfica's manager George Jesus deployed a 3-5-2 system in last 1-1 draw in the first leg. This was both a surprise because he hasn't previously fielded that shape this season and also not a surprise because he's chopped and changed formations regularly in recent weeks, searching for the right combination of player after Benfica's form has tailed off alarmingly. Perhaps the most notable feature of last week's game was the high defensive line used by Jesus when he was a very brave move against Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and it was especially bold considering that Van Vertonghen and Nicolas Amundi haven't been the quickest these days. Although Lucas performed well and made a tackle on Aubameyang and then otherwise just appeared through on goal. It's also worth pointing out that Aubameyang was caught offside four times so the approach clearly worked in some respects although Arsenal did seemingly find it easy to push a full back behind before playing a square ball across the goal which happened both for Aubameyang's early miss and the equaliser, which Cedric teed up for backer. Jesus' wing-backs in the reverse fixture were a speedy Grimiliero, one of Benfica's most impressive performers this season, and comfortably playing at left-back. More of a surprise selection that he'd only made the first start in the season in the weekend draw against Monolis. Grimo stayed wide and crossed while Concaves tended to make more direct runs towards goal. In midfield, Julian sits deep and pulls the strings. He played 67 passes last week, 22 more than any Benfica player, a hugely talented midfielder who found his Dortmund career ruined by injury. Wengel, still working on his way back towards his best form, is quality on the ball. But obviously, last week, he was deployed against Adi, a familiar player because of his history at Tottenham and QPR, who created four chances for teammates. But the real star is Captain Pizzi, capable of playing quick one-twos on the edge of the box, linking midfield and attack. 
Up front, Jesus fielded two strikers, Nunez and Welshmit. Nunez is a proper all-round number nine and considered to be the great Ugandan striker of the mould of Luis Suarez and Cavani and has also been linked with a move to one of Europe's major leagues. He is likely to start again here. Although one ship was sacrificed at half-time and has been a rotation option this season. Jesus has plenty of other attackers to choose from. Rafa is a speedy winger, generally fielding on the right, but capable of playing almost anywhere. Harris plays up front and runs the channels well potentially making him a good option away from home on the counter, whilst intelligent forward Everton, who won the Copper America Golden Boot in 2019, hasn't entirely settled at Benfica in his first year since leaving Gremino, but nevertheless very capable of scoring goals. Player Feature Cedric, one man in the Arsenal squad knows more than most about facing this evening's opponents, Benfica. Born, Singen, Germany, August 31st, 1991. Joined Arsenal, permanently from Southampton on July 1st, 2020. Previous clubs, Sporting Lisbon, Academia, loan, Southampton, Inter Milan, loan. Debut versus Norwich City, home, Premier League, July 1st, 2020. 1-4-0. First goal versus Norwich City. Home. Premier League. July 1st, 2020. 1-4-0. International Honours. 2016 UEFA European Championship winner with Portugal. Follow me. Follow Cedric on Instagram. At Cedric Soares 41. Experienced Portugal international Cedric grew up in the youth academy at Benfica's city rivals Sporting Lisbon, spending 17 years there before his move to Southampton in 2015. He played in many editions of the Derby de Lisboa while there, and was able to put his local knowledge to good use in the first leg of this tie, albeit being played at a neutral venue away from Benfica's stadium of light home. But Cedric was suitably inspired by facing his old adversaries and sent in the cross for our equalising and potentially valuable away goal scored by Bukeo Saka. That was on Cedric's eighth consecutive start for the side, the last seven of which came at left-back, and the versatile defender exclusively told the matchday programme all about his recent run in the side last week. You've been filling in at left-back lately, which you did previously with Southampton and Inter Milan. How have you found it here? Of course, it's very different to playing on the right for me, but I can always adapt to new positions, and I will always adapt for what the coach needs. I will be ready for anything that the coach and the club need me to do. If he needs to play left-back, then I guarantee that I will give my best 100%. What did the coach say to you about playing at left-back? Well, obviously, because I'm right-footed, it's something different in terms of the spaces you try to occupy and maybe the profundity that you can give to the team from one side to the other can change a little bit in some situations. But you have other stuff as well that can actually sometimes be beneficial in terms of playing with a right-footed player on the left. The coach gives me the freedom, but of course I still need to follow the game plan. But I feel that he trusts me, and I feel his confidence. That makes me want to give that back by giving him good performances 
and to try my best for the team. Tonight we face Benfica again, and as somebody who grew up with Sporting Lisbon, you must have a lot of memories of playing against them. Yes, I played so many times against Benfica. It was always a difficult game, because they're derbies for us. It was always huge. I don't want to just mention one game, because they were all really special moments to me in my memory. 100%. How heated and passionate do the Lisbon derbies get? They are so very, very passionate. Every game is important, but when it comes to the Lisbon derbies, it is something more. Everyone is trying to be in the stadium. Everyone is talking about the game all week in the week before and in the week after too. It's normal for these games to make you feel that way. As a player, you always feel a little bit more pressure when it's Benfica against Sporting, because everyone in the squad wants to be playing in these games. It's what football is all about, really. So for me, it was always very nice to be able to play in these games against Benfica, and I think every footballer wants to be involved in those occasions. Do you still keep a close eye on Portuguese football? Yes, I watch it a lot. I also watch a lot of Premier League games, but I always watch a lot of Portuguese football. They're normally on at different times, so I can watch them both, and I follow it very closely. I think the standard of the league is quite good. What can you tell us about Benfica? Benfica is a very strong team. It's normal for them to be one of the strongest teams in Portugal, so it's no surprise, but we need to make sure we are ready for it. They have some great players, and they normally have individuals who are very technically talented and have a lot of skills. They're quite organised at the moment, and in Portugal, it's always been a big club. Of course, we need to respect them in this competition, but at the same time, we cannot fear them. I have 100% trust in my teammates at Arsenal that we will do our absolute best in these games to get the victory. How strong is Portuguese football in general at the moment? It's always been a league that's growing as a championship. I would definitely use the word growing. I think also, if you look around Europe, then you can see that there is a lot of talent coming out of the Portuguese leagues and Portugal in general. There are actually quite a lot of Portuguese players playing in the Premier League, for example, and they're having some success. So I think it's a signal that the league in Portugal is also becoming more competitive and will keep getting more competitive. Of course, I still think that the Premier League is the best league in the world, and it's where everyone wants to be. But at the same time, the Portuguese league is a strong league and is becoming more important in terms of how it is seen in comparison to other European leagues. The first leg was in Italy, and this one is in Greece. It's a very different experience, isn't it? Yes, it's quite strange. I've never lived in a situation like this. Actually, maybe when I played in my national team I had something similar, because I remember a game that we played one time in Switzerland. It was Portugal against Egypt, I think, so that was quite different. But at that moment in time, the stadium was open, and that helped. Right now, playing in Italy and Greece, it will be a strange feeling. But in another way, because the fans are not here, the game doesn't have this influence from the outside in terms of the crowd, and who the crowd is supporting. We know it will be a tough game, and we must be ready for it. Do you think maybe in the future that teams will play one game in a country that neither team is from, and maybe that's the future of European football? I didn't see this question coming. I don't know. I really don't know. 
but what I can say is that I honestly believe it is still really important that you get to play in your own stadium and then you play away. It still has quite a big influence on the game in these European Cup competitions. Is there anything that you've learned during the pandemic or something that you can take forward when we do have fans back in? Of course, in the beginning it was quite strange. We were so used to the fans, and I think they are such an important part of the game. But it's important that even if they are not there, we know that they are following us, and that they are with us, even if it just has to be through the TV. But it's really important for us to keep our concentration levels up, because sometimes when you don't have the fans, you may actually lose a little bit of concentration in the game. And I think that this has been improved because we are now playing every week like this, with nobody in the stadiums. Is concentration the biggest difference to having crowds in then? I love crowds. Honestly, I love the crowds. Personally, I would love to be playing with fans, and I have always loved that feeling of a crowd. It makes the game so much more emotional, and I'm an emotional person. I like it a lot when the game has this atmosphere and this environment surrounding it, and the pressure that it brings. At the end of the day, this pressure is the thing that can really take you to another level, and it can make you give even more than you thought you could give because the fans just help you and you want to give them the victory. I think right now all of the teams are getting used to playing without fans, and in the beginning it was of course different. Nowadays we are used to it, and I think we are getting better with the levels of concentration. Do you think not having the fans in is actually helping you in terms of coaching? Not just in terms of the manager, but as a defence, with your goalkeeper and all of your teammates because there is no competing noise level. In terms of communication, yes, it is definitely easier. You can hear everything, but don't forget, the opponent also hears you and your coach. So of course, when our coach wants to pass a message, it passes much quicker to all of us. But that means every player on the pitch, even the opposition. It makes it much easier for us to talk to each other during the game. I remember back to during the Euros. I couldn't even talk to the player next to me. He was only five metres or so away, but you just couldn't really talk to your teammates because of the noise of the fans, which made it quite hard in terms of communication. But like I said, this is part of football and I love it. I would much prefer to lose part of our communication to have the fans back in. Arsenal Appearances Season, Premier League, Start 9, Sub 3, Total 12 Europa League, Start 6, Sub 1, Total 7 FA Cup, Start 2, Sub 0, Total 2 League Cup, Start 2, Sub 0, Total 2 Community Shield, Start 0, Sub 1, Total 1 Total, Start 19, Sub 5, Total 24 Arsenal Women News and reports from England's most successful women's football team We are recruiting The Arsenal Women Football Club Academy aims at supporting talented footballers within an elite player pathway to make the steps from under-16's RTC Academy Football into our Arsenal Women's First Team. The Women's Super League Academy ensures that all players are able to develop their football as well as continuing with their education 
to ensure that players have a dual career pathway. The programme prepares female players for the next step into their footballing journey, providing them with the opportunity to fulfil their football potential whilst ensuring they also commit to an education or work-related training programme. Players within the Women's Super League Academy play within the FAWSL Academy League programme and the FAWSL Academy Cup competition with fixtures against other WSL teams. As well as our WSL Academy programme, we also provide an alternative 16 to 19 college education programme in association with Oakland's College. This enables players of varying levels to be involved in a full-time football education programme delivered by Arsenal Women Football Club. While staying at Oakland's College, players who are not yet considered to be at the level required to play for the WSL Academy will be offered an opportunity to trial for our Oakland College Women's Football Academy programme. Please go to Arsenal Women's section of arsenal.com where you'll be able to complete an application form. 2020-21 fixtures Aston Villa, February the 28th, away. March the 7th, Birmingham City. March the 17th, Manchester United. March the 27th, Tottenham Hotspur. April the 3rd, Bristol City. April the 24th, Brighton and Hove Albion. May the 1st, Everton. May the 8th, Aston Villa. To be arranged is West Ham United. Women's Super League. Arsenal currently sit 4th in that Super League. Top is Chelsea, then Man City, then Man United then Arsenal, followed by Everton, Reading, Brighton, Tottenham Hotspur, Birmingham City, Aston Villa, West Ham United and Bristol City. Arsenal currently have 23 points and have played 13 games. Seven wins, two draws, four losses. Premier League Match Day 25 4.30pm Sunday, February the 21st at the Emirates Stadium Arsenal 0, Manchester City 1 First half An early goal from Raheem Sterling put us on the back foot immediately against the league leaders After just two minutes, Sterling drifted between our centre-backs to direct his header past Bernd Leno after Riyad Mahrez delivered a cross from the right Sterling almost added a second moments later, but Rob Holding nicked the ball off his toe. Then, Mares beat Pablo Mari, but his shot was deflected wide. We survived further damage and were far more competitive after the opening ten minutes. We looked dangerous whenever Buki Osaka ran at City in central left positions, and his link-up with Kieran Tierney was especially productive. Tierney supplied regular crosses, but City dealt with them all. One cutback from the Scotsman did allow Saka to get a shot in, but the ball hit Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Second half. Saka was a threat after the break too. One slaloming run ended with a blocked shot. At the other end, Leno was at full stretch to keep out Ilke Gundogan's precise effort. City was still seeing more of the ball, but we reached the final 20 minutes still very much in the game 
and almost levelled in bizarre circumstances. Cancelo's attempted clearance turned into a wild back pass and Edison, not wanting to handle the ball, volleyed straight to El Nene. His first-time effort had power but flew wide. Teams For Arsenal, manager Mikel Arteta, red shirts with white sleeves, white shorts and socks. 1. Bernd Leno, goalkeeper. 2. Hector Bellerin. 3. Kieran Tierney. 6. Gabriel. 7. Bukayo Saka. 8. Danny Ceballos. 9. Alexandre Lacazette. 11. Martin Odegaard. 12. William. 13. Alex Renasson, goalkeeper. 14. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. 16. Rob Holding. 17. Cedric Suarez. 18. Thomas Partey. 19. Nicolas Pepe. 21. Callum Chambers. 22. Pablo Mori. 23. David Lewis. 24. Reese Nelson. 25. Mohamed Elneny. 30. Eddie Nketiah. 32. Emil Smith Rowe. 33. Matt Ryan, goalkeeper. 34. Granit Xhaka 35. Gabriel Martinelli 38. Follerin Balogun 41. Ben Contrell 66. Miguel Aziz For Benfica Manager Jorge Jesus Blank shirts, shorts and socks 1. Mille Svila Goalkeeper 2. Gilberto 3. Alejandro Grimaldo 4. Lucas Verissimo 5. Jan Vertigon 7. Everton 8. Gabriel 9. Darwin Nunes 10. Luca Volschmidt 11. Franco Servi 14. Harris Severovich 17. Diogo Congalves 19. Chiquinho 21. Pizzi 27. Rafa Silva 28. Julian Vagel 30. Nicola Shotamendi 33. Yardel 34. Andre Almeida 38. Pedrinho 49. Adel Tarabt 71. Nuno Tavares 75. Branimar Kalaicha 77. Helton Lighty, goalkeeper 82. Jao Ferreira 88. Gonchalo Ramos 99. Odysseus Vladjodimos Match officials, all from Netherlands Referee Bjorn Coopers, Assistant Referees Sander van Rokel, Erwin Zeinstra, Fourth Official Danny McCurdy, VAR Paul van Berkel, Assistant VAR Rob Diperink. Today's other fixtures Ajax 2 vs Lille 1, Shakhtar Donetsk 2 vs Maccabi Tel Aviv 0, Napoli 0 vs Granada 2. Hoffenheim 3 vs Mulder 3 Villarreal 2 vs Salzburg 0 Rangers 4 vs Antwerp 3 PSV 2 vs Olympiakos 4 Leverkusen 3 vs Young Boys 4 Dynamo Zagreb 3 vs Krasnodar 2 Roma 2 vs Braga 0 Leicester 0 vs Slavia Prague 0 AC Milan 2 vs Red Star 2 
Man United 4 versus Real Sociedad 0. Club Brugge 1 versus Dynamo Kiev 1. The Arsenal Foundation. Helping young people fulfil their potential through education and sport. Invented in the lab, proven on the pitch. Fuel like the Gunners. Gatorade, number one sports drink in the world. The official sports drink of Arsenal Football Club. Premier League, official Premier League app. Manage your fantasy team and receive the latest Premier League updates. Free to download. Download on the App Store. Get it on Google Play. Available at Amazon. Take your seat. Sky Sports. Feel it all. Arsenal are home. New 2020-21 home kit. On sale in store and online. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 